Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only Internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well. Because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Okay, so today's topic is the two pillars of mental health, and I'm so very excited to have back Josh Gitalis. Uh, Josh is a clinical nutritionist and is a recognized expert in the fields of clinical detoxification and therapeutic supplementation. He runs a Toronto-based private practice with a worldwide client base. As a leader in his field, Josh teaches clinical nutrition for several natural health colleges and is the first Canadian nutritionist to become an Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner. Josh, thank you so much for being back today on the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Oh, happy to be back. So, Josh, we featured uh, you in a podcast uh, last year, and I'll make sure that we get that link in our podcast notes so that people can refer to that. But in that last interview, we were talking about uh, supplements and uh, answering some of the common myths and misconceptions about supplements. Do you remember that? Sure do. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to talk about the two pillars of mental health. So what are the two pillars? Right. So um, the first pillar, you know, these are two pillars that kind of support, of course, good mental health or that shape our mental health throughout our lifespan. Um, And the first pillar is the mental, emotional, spiritual pillar. And this is, you know, how we perceive the world. It's developed by, you know, the coping skills that we learn as we grow up, our life experiences, how our guardians treat us, you know, the schooling that we are exposed to, the education, uh, you know, our culture, our family, our outlook on life, the opportunities that we have. And all of these kind of shape how we perceive the world, how we actually process the information coming into our nervous system. Um, And then the other pillar is the biochemical. Okay, so, you know, how our blood sugars regulated? Are we excess in certain nutrients or are we deficient in certain nutrients? What is our unique genetic makeup, right? You know, we get half of our genes from our mother and half of our genes from our father. What did we inherit? Where are our strengths? Where are our weaknesses? Do we have any allergies or sensitivities? You know, are there drugs acting on the biochemical level? Are there chemicals in our environment? Do we have a certain disease that's changing our biochemistry? So with both of these pillars, they have a huge impact on our mental health. And not only are they entities unto themselves, so we have the mental, emotional, spiritual, and the biochemical, but those two interact with each other as well. You know, they're bidirectional. So I'll give you just a little bit of an example to help someone understand, uh, first of all, the mental, emotional, spiritual side and how we perceive the world. Uh, you know, if you, if you, you know, walk into a bank 
and you're, you know, you're going up to the teller and you're, you're getting some money out and all of a sudden someone comes in guns a blazing, you know, wanting to rob the bank, uh, you'd probably activate your HPA access pretty, pretty rapidly, get in the fight or flight mode and, you know, really, really be quite freaked out from that situation. But say um, someone was in the, that bank who is a Marine, you know, who was trained maybe in a SWAT team, they're going to perceive that uh, very stimulating event in a much different way. They're going to start to think about solutions. They're going to start to think about how can they disarm this person. And they're going to perceive it in a much, uh, much more useful way for them to react appropriately. And that's going to create a whole different set of chemicals in their body, um, which is going to create a different state of mental health, you know we would be probably freaked out and they would probably be more mobilized in that situation. Um, and then, you know, sort of on the biochemical side of things, we have, I, I think one of the biggest influencers of the nervous system is blood sugar. So, you know, if I go and I have a bowl of Skittles for breakfast, that's just going to spike my blood sugar up to the roof. You know, I'm going to go on that blood sugar roller coaster and then I'm going to come back down eventually and I'm not going to feel so well. I'll be anxious. I'll be, you know, I won't be able to concentrate. I'll, I'll get what people call hangry. Um, I'm going to lash out at people. And, of course, that affects the way I feel. And those two can cross-react as well. So when I perceive a situation as threatening, um, that creates a whole cocktail of chemicals called, well, what Candace Pert called them, uh, were the molecules of emotion. Candace Pert was a neurologist that did quite a bit of research on these peptides uh, that get released in our body. And these molecules of emotion are, are a cocktail of chemicals that go and affect every cell in our body. Uh, so that affects the biochemical. And then, of course, if I'm you know, not controlling my blood sugar, the biochemical affects the way I feel. So we've got this bidirectional effect always happening. Yeah, that book by Candace Pert was such a great book and her discovery of these molecules that really there is this whole mental emotional component, but there's also a physiological, uh, a chemical component too. It was just fascinating. And then you touched on something also about blood sugar. And Josh, I got to tell you, I have so many patients that come in to see me in my private practice. And um, well, you probably already know this, that the average patient that comes to see a functional medicine provider usually has six diagnoses and mm -hmm. at least 30 different symptoms. And usually in that mishmash is something mental, emotional related, like feeling depression, feeling anxiety, panic attacks, insomnia. It could just be just feeling stressed and just having a hard time coping. And oh, so, so often just simple blood sugar imbalance can be part of that oh yeah that's so important um and uh you know with with blood sugar i mean our brain is it takes up you know 25 percent of, of circulating glucose so if we don't have that gradual uh nice leveled flow of energy into the brain it doesn't work properly and we know also know that like sugar really throws things off i mean you know, uh, Dr. Abram Hoffer, one of the greats in the, in the functional medicine and orthomolecular world, uh, he saw thousands and thousands of, of patients, you know, many with, with serious mental health conditions like schizophrenia. And one of the things that he is known for saying is that sugar is, is an addiction far stronger than what we see with heroin. And he dealt with people that were 
you know, addicted to multiple substances. And I, I even remember seeing a documentary a while ago on Eric Clapton. And um, if anyone's familiar with Eric Clapton, they, they know that he was, you know, deep into drugs and he rehabilitated and has been clean for years. But one of the first drugs that he experimented or is known to experiment with is sugar because he had access to it. Uh, and we know that that just ravages the brain. I mean, um, you know, as blood sugar levels go up, brain shrinkage increases as well. You know, um, also, we've seen this in the research with hemoglobin A1C. As hemoglobin A1C levels go up, which is a sign of, you know, how much sugar is in the blood, um, brain shrinkage increases as well. So um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Daniel Amen, but he does a lot with neurology and, and functional medicine. And he has a saying, big body, little brain become extinct. And he said he calls it the dinosaur syndrome, where where, you know, the bigger your body gets, the smaller your brain gets. And I think that's a really good visual for people to keep in mind. Yeah, I think that's an excellent visual. Okay, so Josh, can you tell us why the conventional medical model when it comes to mental health is missing the mark? Yeah, absolutely. They're, um, you know, they're basing most of their treatments on what's called the monoamine hypothesis. So, you know, for example, if we target or, you know, focus on one neurotransmitter called serotonin, we, we found that, you know, when people have good levels of serotonin, they feel happy. And actually, they did these experiments in dogs to begin with. And when they, um, when they are low in serotonin, they, they feel apathetic. And basically, so what they did is they went out to search for drugs that affect this one neurotransmitter, serotonin. So someone comes into the doctor's office, they're feeling depressed, and they say, hey, you know, I'm not feeling so good. And the doctor says, okay, here, try this antidepressant. Um, it, it helps to affect serotonin, your happy brain chemical, and let's see if it works. But the thing is, you know, there's so many other factors that can be underlying causes or root causes of that depression. Um, and we're, you know, we're really just kind of treating the or like trying to treat the smoke when the fire is still blazing um you know there's so many questions to ask so you know first of all where does serotonin actually come from you know we have to make it from somewhere because you know we're not organisms that just like live on this planet and don't get anything from anywhere just like make our energy from the sun like a plant we got to get it from somewhere so of course it comes from food and serotonin is converted from an amino acid called tryptophan and tryptophan is you know, part of proteins in our food. So we have to ask the question, you know, first of all, are people getting enough protein? And what we do in our clinic, and I'm sure you do this as well, is we look at a diet diary at least four days worth, and we, we analyze that and see, well, for this person's body type and, and weight, are they getting enough protein to support their daily needs? And then, of course, you know, it's not just about consuming enough protein, but we have to digest that protein, we have to break it down, and then we have to absorb it into the bloodstream, and then we have to assimilate it and uh, get it into the brain. So are people digesting properly? And of course, you know, that's a whole other topic, but if you can't break down those proteins, you can't liberate those amino acids to actually make those brain chemicals, you know, to actually get the tryptophan up into the brain. And then, if you get the tryptophan up into the brain, are you able to actually convert that tryptophan into serotonin? And there are key nutrients that are necessary for that conversion, like vitamin B6. So if someone's diet is deficient in vitamin B6, 
they're not going to be making neurotransmitters very well. And then if we add another layer to that, when people have inflammation, you know, if they have a, what we call silent inflammation in our field, where it's, you know, uh, loud inflammations, you know, when you have a, a red, in, you know, a, an injury that's red, it's sore, you can see it, you can feel it, but silent inflammation, you're not necessarily feeling it, but we see blood markers that show a state of inflammation, and we've got a lot of inflammatory compounds floating around in the bloodstream. When those are there, they shunt the tryptophan into a pathway other than the serotonin. And then, you know, you've done all that work, you've eaten your protein, you've gotten it up to the brain, and then those resources aren't even going to the right place. Uh, so treating inflammation is now proving to be a very effective way to actually treat depression. There's quite a few studies now on the use of anti-inflammatories like turmeric, like the spice turmeric and curcumin, to actually treat uh, depression, and that's one of the mechanisms by which it does it. So again, going back to this individual that goes into the doctor's office with depression and gets um, an antidepressant, maybe they take that antidepressant, but they're never getting to the root cause. So what happens is that the you know sometimes the drug works, maybe about twenty five percent or less, um, and even if it does work, usually it kind of wears off over a period of time. And then they go back to the doctor where they say, oh, here, try this other one. And it works by a slightly different pathway. So we're treating people with drugs for, you know, things that, that, are, that are nutrient deficiencies that might involve inflammation, that with a simple change of the diet, a simple repletion of these nutrients can really... Uh, result in profound changes in their mood. So Josh, I loved how you explained on all of those points. And uh, so that our listeners can really understand that first of all, there there really is a root cause. Um, and second of all, it's, it's not necessarily easy to find either, but there is a root cause. So I have hope. And that, um, you know, when patients come in and, and for, you know, this example, we're, we're just using the example of depression and being on antidepressants. I know when a patient comes in and they say, you know, these, I have depression, the antidepressants are helping me, but I know that's not really a long-term solution. I'd like to get them off of, off of them at some point. I really want to get to the root cause. So when a patient is on medication and the medication is working, then we know, okay, we know there is some uh, neurotransmitter imbalance component. And so we just have to go down that pathway to figure out, okay, where is that coming from? Just like you explained. And then the other, you know, group of patients that come in, the other, the majority of patients who they're on medications, but the medications are not helping them, then we know, okay, it's not really a neurotransmitter imbalance, it's something else. So we have to go down a different pathway. So Josh, what are some of the biggest mistakes and misconceptions when it comes to mental health? Yeah, and just to comment on what you just said, I, I love that. I love what you just said, because whenever clients come into me and they've tried many things, I always say that there's nothing, nothing's been lost here. I mean, the things that work are great information for us, and the things that didn't work are great information as, for us as well, because it help, helps us to direct our treatment plan. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I said that. Mm -hmm. And they're just all clues. They're just all clues into really getting to what the root cause is. So I think most, you know, many of, well, one, uh, a few of the mis 
misconceptions associated with depression, anxiety, and mental health is that you know it's it's one thing, right? It's it's sort of you know it's it's uh it's that one neurotransmitter, or it's that one supplement, or that one drug that's going to improve your mental health. And really, you know, if anything's holistic, mental health is 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 a great example of how we need to have so many different pieces in place to have good mental health over a long period of time. And you know, everyone has their ups and downs. That's life. Uh, you know, life happens. Good things happen. Bad things happen. But it's about our resilience and how we respond to those. So you know, uh, sleep is incredibly important for neurological health and. You know, that's one of the things I'll, I'll help to get my clients started on. If they're not sleeping, they're not healing, and that brain is just not not going to be happy. Uh, I, there, there was actually um, a system in the brain discovered in 2012 called the, the lymphatic system. It's like a lymphatic system for the brain, which only turns on when you're in deep sleep. And what this system does is it kind of clears out all the debris. It, it, it's like... Uh, it's like the road sweepers, uh, they come at night and clean up all the leaves and garbage and stuff. And that only turns on in the, in the night. So, so that's really important, sleep for that reason. It's, and sleep's very rejuvenating. We need to move the body. We need to do some sort of movement to get blood flow to the brain. The, the brain needs oxygen, it needs glucose, and it needs stimulation to really stay healthy. We need to make sure we're repleting certain nutrients, um, like vitamin B12 deficiency can cause depression. Vitamin D deficiency can cause depression. Um, we need to look at various hormones, like thyroid hormone and thyroid health, to make sure that's in balance. Um, so I think that our system and kind of the way it's set up through through the medical system is it's it needs to be flipped. And maybe there's a time and a place for drugs, but it's the, it needs to be the last resort. And I think people sometimes go to it as a first resort. Yeah, and um, what are some of the other mistakes and misconceptions that you see out there when it comes to mental health? Yeah, um, so that food doesn't play a role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, if anyone wants to change their mental health, they have an opportunity to do it three times a day at least. And, you know, I know, like, every once in a while, you know, I, 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 I'll have, like, a little sugar at a party or something, you know, that I'm not used to, and I feel it right away. Like, I'm just super sensitive now that I've eliminated it completely from my life. Um, but, you know, people are, are just eating and drinking things, to constantly alter their mental health, whether they know it or not. They're having caffeine as stimulants. They're having sugar as stimulants. Um, carbohydrates can really play with the blood sugar. So literally, you know, your foods become your thoughts. They, they become those neurotransmitters that are communicating within your nervous system. So if you're eating foods that don't support that, um, then that's going to create some really nasty symptoms. And that's sort of more of the short-term uh, perspective on things. If we're talking about the long term, we also have to understand that our nervous system is a physical structure. And just like, you know, you wouldn't want to build your house out of really bad materials, you don't want to build your nervous system out of bad materials and you want really good things to kind of support it. And, you know, one, one really great ingredient for our nervous system is the uh, omega-3 DHA. 
And DHA makes up, well, our brain's about 60% fat, and 8% of that is DHA. So we want these really nice long omega-3s to help with communication within our nervous system. And, of course, there's been, you know, the war on cholesterol over the years, and 25% of our body's cholesterol is in our brain, which is just astounding. Yeah, I think there was... um... I think I recall some research out there about cholesterol levels and maybe Alzheimer's or dementia. Absolutely, that, yeah. That actually you, you kind of want higher cholesterol levels in order to prevent. Yeah, exactly. Um, in There was a study carried out that looked at cholesterol levels and Parkinson's and found that people with the lowest levels of cholesterol had a 350% increased risk of Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Josh, one of the really scary things about, you know, when we start talking about uh, the nervous system and the brain is that um, those cells don't regenerate, that once they they die off, they're gone, although we can develop plasticity, new connections, um, there can be a a real uh, tipping point where there is, uh, you can get to a point uh, with your health of, of no going back. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's unfortunately what we see with neurodegenerative diseases. I mean, by the time someone gets diagnosed with with uh, dementia or Parkinson's, you know, 50% of parts of their brain are completely gone. Yeah, so the yeah. best that we can do, yeah, is slow down progression, which is a bit sad. But if we catch these things a lot earlier, um, what you know, exactly what you said with the plasticity, there's a tremendous ability for that nervous system to adjust and change based on new scenarios and new stimulation. And actually for the listeners out there, you know, what you're doing right now in your life is having a big impact on your future brain health. So um, don't be, I'm going to say, don't be naive to think you you don't have to wait until like you're in your 60s. This stuff is happening in your 40s, in your 30s, even in your 20s. We're seeing stresses on the brain happening, aren't we, Josh? Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the greatest things for... uh, maintaining a healthy brain right now is listening to your podcast because oh. <laughs> it stimulates those nerve cells. It actually releases dopamine when you're interested in something and it makes new connections. So people should definitely continue to tune in. Yeah, you're right. They should continue to, to tune in. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, going back to something you said earlier, the brain, there's, there's three key things that your brain needs. It needs uh, oxygen, glucose, mm-hmm. And stimulation. So there's the mental stimulation, doing things like listening to the podcast or learning something new, learning a new language or learning a new hobby. And then there's also physical stimulation uh, to your body, which is where exercise comes in, doing things like Tai Chi or yoga or tennis or uh, any kind of exercise uh, from a neurological standpoint puts a lot of input up into the brain, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even, I mean, there's so many little tricks. You just need to keep your brain guessing. I mean, that's, I think, the, the, the great thing. And, you know, right now in my uh, clinic, in my, in my actual office, I have some essential oils going. And essential oils, um, you know, provide a new smell to the nervous system. So, so anything that really challenges the brain, I know, you know, with in, 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 um, in homes and, and with the elderly, they recommend they do Sudoku and different puzzles and stuff. Um, 
But anything that's novel, I think that's the key word there, novel, is a stimulation to the brain. And uh, Josh, are there any other mistakes or misconceptions that you think are important that we haven't talked about yet? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's, there's so many. I know I mean, we can, uh, we could just keep going on for probably uh, another half hour here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I think that, you know, it's just, it's a matter of chipping away, trying to get to the root cause, looking at the different factors involved, some of the things we spoke about today, tuning up your diet. Um, And, you know, I think one of the best things that has guided me, you know, on on my mental health journey is, is do what energizes you. I mean, it's, that's just, I think one of the most simplest um, recommendations I can give is, you know, if you feel energized by something, you're probably doing something right, as, you know, as long as it's not caffeine or a chemical. <laughs> you know, if you hang out with someone and you feel energized after instead of drained, hang out more with that person. If you do a type of exercise that gives you more energy, do more of that exercise. You know, if there's a meal that you ate and you feel great afterwards, eat more of that food. And that all really helps with mental health. Josh, do you have any other tips to help our listeners choose the right interventions? Uh, interventions as in like uh, like uh, foods or supplements or... Yeah, you know, well, we, we talked about many different uh, factors that can impact uh, brain health, mental health, emotional health. Um, and a lot of times I find uh, people are, you know, they're, they're overwhelmed with information right now, right? Because mm-hmm. they read, they listen to podcasts. Of course, not with this podcast, but the other podcasts <laughs> that are out there, and uh, you know, blogs and summits and watching videos. They're they're just really overwhelmed, and they they almost get into a point of paralysis because they they know there's all of this good stuff out there that can help them, but they just don't know what they should be doing. And so I'm just thinking, is there there anything else to help them choose the right path besides just going to see you? <laughs> coming come to see me <laughs> right I think I think honestly the biggest bang for your buck uh, is going to be tuning up your diet mm-hmm. eating a diet that is really balancing to your blood sugar that is loaded with good fats you know there's this huge push towards paleo and ketogenic mm-hmm. and I think for good reason because it's helping a lot of people it's taking those carbohydrates a lot of those carbohydrates out of the diet and it's really doing great work for stabilizing people's blood sugar. And just doing that alone is going to really level out um, your, your mental health as well. So, you know, if, pe- if people are listening, they're overwhelmed by all the little details. And they're like, oh, what do I do first? Well, diet is going to have a huge, huge impact on your mental health. And that should be a really great important starting point you take out all the white devils the white sugar the white oil the white salt and the white flowers and you bring in nice good whole foods vegetables and fruits i know we could probably talk uh, you know for a while about how those phytonutrients support mental health and bring down inflammation um have really good fats we we don't want to be afraid of fat have good sources of cholesterol and uh support your your mental health that way yeah, and when it comes to balancing blood sugar, because we had talked about this earlier, how important that one simple aspect is of having balanced blood sugar for your well, your overall health, but uh, particularly for good brain health, is that um, 
some of the symptoms of low blood pressure, uh, not low blood pressure, low blood sugar, and some of the symptoms of high blood sugar. Do you care to kind of share some of that so our listeners can, you know, when they're going through their, their day and their diet, they can kind of pay attention to their bodies? Yeah, absolutely. I think kids are a great example of what we might be feeling on the inside. (laughs) So if you give a kid sugar, you could kind of see how they react, right? And that's a lot of the symptoms we might experience as adults, just not really act as much on it. We're hyper, we're agitated, we're, you know, our thoughts are all over the place. Um, And then, of course, when you have that blood sugar crash in kids, we see those tantrums. We see difficulty concentrating. They have trouble doing schoolwork. They maybe you maybe you get a headache, um, and then you know there's kind of two things the body wants to do. One is reach for another sugary snack to get that blood sugar up, or two, our adrenals kick in to raise our blood sugar to do it through our hormonal system. So um, those are some of the the signs and symptoms. And if you feel like throughout the day your your energy and your concentration. Uh, and your mental power is fluctuating a lot, it's going up and down, you know, you get crashes, you get times where you can work really well, then you're probably not balancing your blood sugar probably properly, and that's something you should focus on. So I'm going to add one more thing to that also, Josh, so our uh, listeners have a little bit more information, is that when it comes to sleep, um, so, so I kind of look for these uh, things for people that are having problems with falling asleep. When people have problems falling asleep, it could be that their blood sugar is running too high and they eat too many carbs, either too Mm -hmm. many carbs or not enough protein and healthy fat, you know, with their dinner. And then the other is for people that like they wake up during the middle of the night, they wake up at two in the morning, three in the morning, and uh, then they just can't get back to sleep. Oftentimes that can be because their blood sugar has dropped too soon through the night and they have hypoglycemia. And uh, a lot of times those people will benefit from having a snack before they go to bed that's high in protein and healthy fat. Absolutely. Yeah, those are great points. And also for people to understand, too, is when you're sort of transitioning from a diet that's really messing up your blood sugar um, to, to one that stabilizes your blood sugar, there's a bit of a transition time. So little tricks like what you just mentioned in terms of having a snack before bed or eating more regularly throughout the day, you know, having snacks between meals are great ways to help you with that transition as your cells become more insulin sensitive and as your nervous system responds to that. So, Josh, we've spoken about um, a lot of different things today, so much good stuff that you've shared. Is there anything else that we have not covered that you think would be important for our listeners to know about these two pillars and about just having better mental health, even let's say optimal mental health? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the biochemical, I think I think we covered that quite well with diet. That's going to have a huge impact. But from a mental, emotional, spiritual perspective, I think it's important to continue to work on the mind, work on how we perceive the world, uh, read different self-help books or self-improvement books, do different programs. Um, and that's sort of how we control the kind of the, the doorway into our nervous system is how we perceive that world, changing our skills, upgrading our skills. And then, of course, when that comes into the nervous system, we need ways to process those experiences, what I call stress processing. And those include things like meditation, deep breathing, heart rate variability exercises, 
restorative exercise. And those are really important too for moving stress through the body. You know, I know we're not talking about detoxification today, but one of the things I talk about um, with my clients when we're talking about detox is that the mind is one of the five channels of elimination. You know, thoughts and feelings, experiences, stresses can get caught up in our nervous system if we're not processing them and getting them out. So from the mental, emotional, spiritual side of things, it's also really important to continue to work on that. And I find that my clients who come to see me for depression and anxiety who are doing both the work on the mind and are doing the work on the biochemistry have the greatest levels of success. You know, that would be a great topic for a future podcast, detoxing your body and detoxing your mind. Oh, yeah. I think we're on to something here. <laughs> would, you, would you care to be part of that, Josh? Oh, for sure. Okay, okay. Okay, um, so we'll set that up for the future. <laughs> Josh, uh, thank you so much. How can our l- listeners find out more about you? Uh, they can find me at joshgitalis.com, Gitalis spelled G-I-T-A-L-I-S. Um, you can also connect with me on Facebook, Josh Gitalis Clinical Nutritionist, or on Instagram. And, of course, you can find all those links through my website, as well as I run a variety of courses. I have actually a whole functional nutrition certification program, and one of those courses is fully on mental health. So um, that's a standalone course as well, and everyone can uh, find my information for that on my website under the Learn tab. Okay, so I'll make sure that those links are in the podcast notes so that you can easily find Josh and all of his great stuff. Josh, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has been another awesome interview. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Josh Gitalis. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carey is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carey is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.